Maybe you can tell us what it is you do, sir. How do, how do you describe uh, Post Disclosure? Yeah, so my channel is focused primarily on UFO news. Um, ever since December 16th, 2017, with the New York Times article that revealed a secretive UFO program in the Pentagon. Um, actually, it's the there were two programs. One was OSAP. Advanced Aerospace Weapon Systems Application Program, and the other was ATIP, um, Advanced Aerospace Threat Identification Program. And these were taxpayer-funded programs tasked with studying the UFO enigma, objects that are seen not only in our skies, but also in our oceans and potentially even in uh, space that are of unknown origin, and they have capabilities that are reported to be beyond all known technology. And ever since that article that published on December 16th, 2017, we have literally been getting news story after news story after news story. It's only escalated 5.5 years later. And we're at a point now where it's almost on a daily basis that I'm seeing news stories coming out of mainstream publications about how the United States Congress and, and NASA and, and scientific um establishments or efforts like the Galileo project with Professor Avi Loeb of, of Harvard University. There's so much above board mainstream focus on this enigma right now that I can run a channel that just talks about nothing but legitimate news on this topic. So that's kind of what my channel does. Excellent. Exciting stuff, really. I, I am just to let you know where I am on this. I'm fascinated with the idea. I've seen some of those. Uh, Pentagon videos that leaked um, and then later declassified and uh, it's fascinating to me and I'm open to anything we may or may not find but I just haven't crossed that line yet into accepting extraterrestrials have visited us or this is cast iron proof of uh, extraterrestrial technology for example and I was just speaking to Darcy Weir previous guest before filmmaker I'm not sure I'm not sure if you're familiar with his work, uh, but he, I mean, I, I pointed out the the new NASA UAP research team as a positive step. It's sort of lending legitimacy to your interest and your work and this whole realm of uh, fascination with UFOs and collating evidence. But it seems to me like they have in recent weeks and, and months kind of spent a lot of time debunking and that has led to a lot of people saying that they're actually just a cover or a front or some sort of propaganda machine for the government to cover this up. What, what are your views on the official research group at NASA? Oh, I think it's great. I think it's a wonderful mechanism to help destigmatize the topic because if you have uh, NASA looking at it, then it then it becomes less um, of a self-conscious thing to look at where people don't feel like there's something not right with them. Um, it's, 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 it's really destigmatizing and, you know, NASA should look at it because at the end of the day, we're dealing with a scientific enigma. Uh, what, what, is, what, what are UAP? Well, if you watched the presentation that aired recently, it's like four hour presentation with NASA. They're the first ones to admit nobody knows what UAP are, uh, at least publicly. Um, it's clear that the U S government has classified information that would give more insights to the nature of UAP. And that's part of the struggle that's going on right now. If you look at the recent legislation enacted by the United States Congress, they are asking for information going back to 1945 about uh, recovered craft, the proposition of recovered craft, the capacity to track craft. Are there other programs they don't know about that have been um, 
kept from oversight and all that. Th this is used to be a very fringe um, uh, area of inquiry. But now even the United States Congress in this, I think is highly objective for me to say, all you have to do is look at the legislation they created and look what they've been saying uh, to put it in the most objective way that I can, because I think it's even worse than this, but to put it in the most objective way that I can, they're highly suspicious that they've been lied to by the United States Pentagon uh, 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 and, and various intelligence agencies about UAP. But at the end of the day, UAP are a mystery. I have not seen any smoking gun evidence that can prove one way or the other what they are. I'm, I always make that very clear. But if we're going to be intellectually honest, we can't just say, well, it's probably this or it's probably that. I mean, yeah, I mean, you can have an opinion on that, but likelihood is subjective because we don't have full context of the universe. So the only the only likelihood we can apply to UAP is based upon what we know. And ultimately, we are literally a rock tumbling in the universe. There's an estimated two to four trillion galaxies in our universe. We are but one of those galaxies. And then in our own galaxies, in our own galaxy, there's about 100 billion planets with 100 billion stars. And um, <laughs> it takes the light from the sun to hit the Earth about eight and one-third minutes. And yet the Milky Way galaxy is about 105,000 light years across. We need to humble ourselves. It's, 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 it's um, very tempting to be like, well, it's almost certainly misidentifications. It's almost certainly drones from foreign countries. Well, I don't know if it's almost certainly that. I can see the logic that would dictate that perspective, but ultimately, I mean, I, I I don't remember the exact number, but how long have we had computers? How long have we had cars? I think modern computers and cars we've had for maybe one to 200 years. We are only just breaking into the modern technological world. Prior to like two, 300 years ago, we were very, very primitive. So the idea that there could be non-human intelligences in our biosphere that evades detection is not far-fetched by any stretch of the imagination, even though people in a very subjective way want to make it that way. Yeah, yeah, and I can relate to what your 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 point there about the, the vastness of the universe and the, the limits of human um, knowledge and capacity to comprehend things. And I suppose if, if you were to take the picture of the from a Hubble telescope and you can just see the vast vastness out there, when you look at that, do you think, oh, God, we are alone? Or are you more of somebody who thinks, well, look at that. This place could be teeming with extraterrestrial life. I think that there's no way we're alone because whatever properties on this planet that led to life almost certainly, in my opinion, I mean, I could be wrong, almost certainly exist on other planets. Even if even if it's only like one out of thousands of planets, well, <laughs> there's, there's an estimated 100 billion planets at minimum in the Milky Way alone. So you, you, don't, you only need a very small fraction of planets that have the right circumstances for life to evolve, you know, in the Goldilocks zone. So they're not too close to the sun, not too far from the sun and whatever other um, parameters are needed. Uh, I, I think there's a lot of life in, in the universe and that we are probably not nearly as special as, as we may assume that we are. What I mean, I know that a lot of I mean a lot of modern nations are fairly religious. Uh, certainly, America, uh, in terms of monotheism and Christianity, what sort of implications are there for world religions? Were we to discover we are just but one form of life amongst a vast number of different life forms within the galaxy? That that's an interesting question. I mean, I think some of these religious leaders would be like um, <laughs> they'd want to know like do these 
civilizations agree with us on our <laughs> religious doctrine. Do you accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior? <laughs> yeah, that'd be I, I, Actually, I think the um, the Pope made a comment at one point that they'll have to like um, proselytize to the other civilizations. But <laughs> I I think if we ever do get disclosure, which is a, collo- is a colloquial term that I, some people think it's a stigmatized term, it really shouldn't be. All it means is evidence emerging, whether from a government, whether from a scientific effort, or even from a mass sighting where there's enough um, information recorded where you can verify that we are not alone and there are there is there is life out there and in this case it would be life that's engaging our planet i think if something like that happened it probably would be a little bit humbling for world religions because then they'd have to contend with well um those things those people those entities they need salvation too or they need to follow a certain um philosophical or moral doctrine as well and what happens if they don't agree with us so it kind of it kind of forces all kinds of implications that we religious leaders and religious people probably don't think about. And then the question emerges, well, how do we know that our religions are right, right? Maybe it's the other planets and their civilizations that got the right religion and we got the right religion. So <laughs> I'm not saying religion would degrade or would eradicate. I, I don't think religion will ever will go away as a result of something like disclosure, but I think people would have to maybe, maybe, let me put it, they would, it's not that they would have to, but I think a natural a natural response to something like verification of non-human intelligence engaging our planet would be that maybe people would be a little bit more skeptical that their book, their ancient book has all the answers and must be correct. Because you, you I think you, I just, as a thinking person, you, you wouldn't be able to help, but think, well, wait a minute, just as there's various religions on our earth and every religion on earth says we're right. Well, the other civilizations have other religions too. And now we have to wonder, not, now we have to start wondering not only if we have the right religion compared to other cultures' religions, but now we have to start wondering, do they have the right religion? And that's just kind of a conversation I think is going to be inescapable if, if something like that were ever to occur. Yeah. I mean, I mean, this entire field, I think it's, I mean, for the longest time, people who are interested in this have been sort of maligned and denigrated as kooks uh, and things like that. And to me, I think it's a perfectly legitimate uh interest hobby and sphere of of you know legitimate research as well the the only issue i tend to have with it is that it a large proportion of it depending on who you speak to appears to be wrapped up in conspiratorial thinking and i, I find that really unhelpful uh and i just wondered where you are on on this sort of thinking in terms of the government perhaps covering this up or the government perhaps having possession of an extraterrestrial craft or life and concealing it from the rest of the world. How, how far in do you go on some of these things? Well, these are questions that, I mean, it's debatable whether you can prove this, this is the case. Not You can't prove that the U.S. government has collected um, crashed um, non-human vehicles. That can't be proven. We don't have the data for that. But what I think could probably be proven is that there is a cover-up. I, I do think that's provable. Um, I don't think that's outlandish. I think if you do the research, you might change your your, your opinion on that. Um, just, just to give you a very mundane example, in 1969, Project Blue Book closed down and the Air Force basically said, we're no longer, the US government is no longer studying UAP, we're done with it. Well, in, in uh, 26, uh, December 16, 2017, we learned that that was not true that the US government was covertly studying UAP and 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 let's let's go further with this 
The United States Congress was was not in the loop about UAP incursions. And I don't know the specific law, but as far as I understand, it is there's a statute that when there is an intelligence failure, the U.S. Congress has to be informed of that intelligence failure. Uh, what someone may say as a rebuttal is, well, ha well, intelligence failure is um, subjective, so so the intelligence community can always get away with not sharing information with Congress. Okay, if you want to make that argument, but I, I don't know. It seems a little bit disingenuous to me because even if it's true that they, they have that breath to say what's what what is an intelligence failure or not, they're abusing that that option if they're not telling Congress about UAP incursions. And the UAP incursion in particular that I'm thinking about is from uh, is from um, 2004 with the USS Nimitz UFO event series, which has never been debunked. And I've I, I, I've seen all of Mick Mick West's uh, uh, videos. He, he's not the most objective person in the world. He's he, he's extremely intelligent, and he's very good at debunking videos. But I, he will even admit that the Fleur One video is not debunked. His hypothesis is that what was captured is a distance plane. But anybody who really understands how these systems work and how they all are kind of linked into each other, so that the uh, carrier strike group can have a full picture, like everything, every craft speaks to every other craft. So it's not really plausible that what Chad Underwood filmed in 2004 is a distant plane. There, there, Sorry, there's, just, there's, could you describe that video? I always get confused between them. I mean, there's the Tic Tac one. Yeah, the, the Fleur one, one. The Fleur one is from the uh, Nimitz event from 2004 with Commander David Fravor. Got you. Highly, let, let's just go over real quickly how in, per, intensely corroborated this is. Um, first of all, it was picked up on radar. And then two F-18 planes were told precisely where to go to get a closer look at the object. When they got to the merge plot, merge plot is where you're so close to the object that was picked up on radar that the F-18s and the object that they were pursuing becomes one blip. So when merge plot plot happened, as far as I understand, that's when both F-18 Hornets saw the object consisting of four pilots because each of these planes has two pilots. They all describe the object in the same way. Now, if someone is, is really hell-bent in finding inconsistencies, this is my response. There's inconsistencies with everything. Everything that multiple people see, even if it really happens, you're still going to find inconsistencies in their story. But the bottom line is the essential basics were highly corroborated by all four of those pilots, okay? So they all saw it with their eyeballs. Then they land, and then someone else takes off from the carrier after they land to pursue the Tic Tac and was able to actually film the Tic Tac. And if you look at the video from the Fleur 1, that does not look like a plane. That looks like something other than a plane. You see no wings. You see no tail. Yes, it's a little bit on the blurry side, but it doesn't look like a blurry plane. It looks like a tic-tac. So my point is, is that when this happened, the United States Congress was not informed of this. And this is a blatant intelligence failure because if you, because if you listen to the testimony of the pilots, whatever this tic-tac was, was way further advanced than, than their $60 million F-18 Hornets. And furthermore, it's not just their testimony. The E-2 Hawkeye, which is a radar, like a big radar dish flying in the sky, picked it up. The 
the USS Princeton picked it up, as as well as the the Nimitz carrier picked it up. Three different radar systems picked up this UAP. You got four pilots who saw it with their eyes, and then after those pilots landed, you have Chad Underwood who went and pursued it because he had a camera on board and got footage of it. Now, if you do, if you look at the history of debunking, almost always if something is is mundane or prosaic, it will get debunked very quickly. There's been so many eyes on this video footage, it has never gotten debunked. To this day, nobody knows what it is. And so the fact that the U.S. Congress was not told of this does suggest some kind of a conspiracy, in my opinion. Why were they not told of this? And this is, if in from what a lot of people say, this was only one example of many. These kind of incursions happen all the time. Now, the 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 rebuttal might be, well, why why would non-human intelligence be interested in our military assets? I don't know. If uh, humanity was visiting another world, I think the military assets, which represent the highest level of technology of a civilization, would be very interesting to a visit, visiting civilization. Now, I'm not saying the Tic Tac was of non-human intelligence. I don't know. But what I will say is that there is good evidence that whatever the Tic Tac was, its technological capabilities surpassed the best that the American government had at their disposal at the time, and to this day, I would argue. Is it not also plausible that perhaps the reluctance to reveal these things to Congress would be in order to protect intelligence regarding the kind of technology the US military has to observe things like this? They perhaps don't want their enemies, you know, China, Russia, places like that, knowing just how capable their radar technology is, what it can do, and by you know, declassifying and making open any and all incursions such as this, it leaves them open to foreign attack uh, in terms of intelligence. Yeah, there might be some truth to that, but they should still be able to inform the Congress, you know, the oversight committees that have, they, they have classified clearances. They can be told in in uh, in SCIFs where surveillance is, is not possible and they can do it in a very controlled manner. So it, the, the, the it's one thing if you want to make the argument, why haven't they told the public? But the fact they have they have not been telling the Congress, in my opinion, is objectively inexcusable. So do I do I think there's a cover up? I do think there's a cover up, and I I, I think that um, I do think there's a cover up. I think that they have the data that establishing a true enigma consisting of technologies of unknown origin that surpass known technology. Um. We've had two UFO hearings so far publicly that were the first UFO hearings in over 50 years. And, and we're going to have more hearings. And an argument that I've made since I would consider myself an empiricist is that when, as we get more hearings and more witness testimony and we get more reports public and, and classified to the Congress – and as this process unfolds that began in December 16th, 2017, I believe in – this is on video. I've, I've written an article about it. I, I don't hide this. I'll be the first one to admit I'm wrong if I end up being wrong. But I believe that in the coming years, it's going to become more and more obvious that there is a cover-up. And we're in that process. We've been in that process, I would argue, an accelerated process since the New York Times article came out. And in my opinion, it's looking more and more like there is a cover-up. Uh, and as I'm sure you're aware, there was that recent article in the debrief where a whistleblower came forward talking about knowledge of a UFO um, crash retrieval program that he wasn't the only one that said it. It was corroborated by two other people. One is Carl E. Nell, 
a recently retired Army colonel and current aerospace executive. Um, and, and also it was um, corroborated by another gentleman who works for, let me see, hold on a sec. Yeah, Jonathan Gray, the intelligence officer specialing in UAP analysis at the National Air and Space Intelligence Center, who is employed by the government right now. They both vouched for David Grush that his testimony that there is a UFO crash retrieval program is accurate. So this article that came out in the debrief on June 5th yesterday is not anonymous sources. And it's not just random people. It's people with extremely high security clearances. One of them is is, is employed by the government. The other one uh, was a colonel for the army who was just recently retired. And David Grush, the person that actually came out revealing, and it, it, it is alleged, I'm not saying it's true, but I wouldn't be surprised if it's true necessarily. David Grush came out. He was a veteran of the National Geospatial Intelligence Agency, NGA, in the National Reconnaissance Office, NRO. He served as the Reconnaissance Office's representative to the Unidentified Aerial Phenomena Task Force from 2019 to 2021. And from late 21 to July 22, he was the NGA's co-lead for UAP analysis and his representative to the task force. So this is a man who came out. He, he testified to the intelligence community inspector general under oath, under the penalty of law, saying that he came into information, that there is a crash retrieval program, that it's been around for decades, that they've collected many uh, vehicles that have crashed, um, some of them beat up, not, not completely intact, others completely intact. And it, and it is a crazy story and it is outlandish. But what makes this different than anything that's ever come before in, in this subtopic, I don't know of anything that comes close to being equivalent to this, is you have people coming forward with, with the credibility they have, the background they have. One of them is still employed by the, uh, by the U.S. government. And David Grush, um, he had knowledge of 2,000 special access programs. Special access programs are highly classified programs that deal with the most sensitive military intelligence matters within the United States. He also was responsible for reporting to the White House, giving intelligence briefings to the president. This is a guy who was, as from what I can tell, as trusted as you can be within the national security apparatus. And he just came out publicly June 5th saying, Yes, there's a crash retrieval program. Yes, the U.S. government has recovered craft of unknown providence that do not stem from human intelligence. That that and it has been covered up and it has been concealed. And the way and, and he he talks about how how they covered this up. So from what I understand, the way they do this is they nest these UFO programs because this crash retrieval program is reportedly not the only. UFO program, there's others, but they nest them in various agencies embedded in programs that deal with other stuff. So let's say you have a program dealing with spying on China. A smaller component of that program will be studying UFOs, but that's kept secret. And so that's how they keep it from oversight. That's how they keep it from Congress getting oversight of it because the, the nesting of the program inside a bigger program 
makes it much more hard for the U.S. government. Okay, right. And so just to inter interject there, so I, I mean, there's a lot of people you mentioned there with stellar yeah. credentials for sure. So we we couldn't we couldn't really tarnish their reputation in that sense. But and so I mean, this idea of a craft. I'm not, and I'm not saying he's right. I'm saying that this is a story that should be investigated because he absolutely. might be right. Absolutely. So in terms of this craft retrieval uh, program, how do we know that this relates sp specifically to craft of an extraterrestrial origin? Because in the modern era, it would make perfect sense to me that intelligence agencies would be looking out for spy drones, uh, you know, incursions into our airspace by foreign powers, things like that. And they would need some sort of contingency and planning place to recover any such attempt. So how have we got from something on the face of it that makes sense in that in that way to this we must relate directly to extraterrestrial crafts? Well, they do both. These crash retrieval programs, according to I think Grush and others, they do both. They do like if a if a Russian MiG crashes in Europe somewhere, uh, and the U U.S. thinks they can get a hold of it, they will recover it and study it. But according to Grush. They also recover much more exotic crashes purportedly of, of non-human origin. And, and I have a quote here. He says, regarding these, these recovered craft, analysis has determined that the objects retrieved are of exotic origin, non-human intelligence, whether extraterrestrial or unknown origin, based on the vehicle morphologies and material science testing and the possession of unique atomic arrangements and radiological signatures. So, I mean, I'm not a scientist, but... According to him, it's quite clear that some of these crashes are not uh, are not uh, drones from Russia, or aircraft, or missiles, or down satellites from foreign countries. That it's very he's, clear he's, that I mean, they're exotic. The word that struck out to me there was um, analysis. He, he's basing this opinion on on analysis. What what analysis are we talking about here, and how? I mean. I suppose where where I struggle with this sort of thing is that these are extraordinarily large claims. And the only thing we really have to go on is somebody said this is what happened. And I, I'm, right. I'm constantly desperate and hungry for this. This one smoking gun that will uh, be able to be able to convince people like me who really want to be on board with this sort of stuff, but just can't find it in, in themselves to to cross that line. Well, I, I would say you don't need to cross that line. I would say I haven't crossed that line either. I would say let's follow this story as it un as it unfolds, and and make a more informed uh, uh, analysis and assessment as it unfolds. Because right now there is no smoking gun. Right now there is nothing there that I would say elicits a, a demand to believe it's true. Um, but what there is are people that are because according to because it was it was published in the debrief and the debrief has its own team of researchers so they they vetted all these people or at least the three people i cited but the authors of the article are, are not really affiliated with the debrief the authors of this article was journalist ralph blumenthal and leslie Keane, and they also did their own research so this is highly every every person that's not anonymous that was cited in this article is highly vetted but from how the story is is being told is that what um, David Grush, what his testimony to the intelligence community inspector general was corroborated by anonymous sources. They're anonymous because 
I, he, they can't, the article can't reveal these people, but by anonymous sources involved in this crash retrieval program. So, so you have David Grush testifying under oath under the penalty of law. Then you have, who did he testify? He testified it to the intelligence community inspector general, but then purportedly you have people, other people who also testified under oath who were allegedly in the, in that crash retrieval program. So this is not like just like uh, people that are bored and LARPing. These are people with impeccable credentials that are putting their, not only their, their reputation on the line, but, but are putting themselves in legal jeopardy. So my, my, only, my contention would just be, let's see where this goes, because I would argue that whether this is true or not, when you get this kind of an allegation, the United States Congress is morally obligated to investigate whether this is true or not whether these allegations are true or not, because if it is true, what it consists of is that the United States government in a, in a highly compartmentalized fashion has proof of non-human intelligence and has been studying it for decades and they're not sharing it with the American public and they're not sharing, sharing it with the world stage. And so science and academia are, are being, being deprived of this essential knowledge of our universe and it it just makes no sense now i will be the first to admit this all sounds absolutely crazy it does and i'm not saying it's true but i'm also saying i i, I wouldn't say that it's almost certainly not true i don't buy that because there's a whole historical ufo record going back 70 plus years there's reason to be suspicious in my opinion that something like this could be true even if you want to say it's unlikely I don't personally believe it's astronomically unlikely, but regardless of our subjective opinions on whether it's likely or not, the bottom line is the U.S. Congress is morally obligated to look into this, and I think they are looking into it to get to the bottom of whether these allegations are true. Because if they are true, even if you want to say it's unlikely, the fallout, the, the, the negative impact of withholding this from humanity is quite, quite huge in my opinion. Yeah, and I suppose um, one of the things that's striking to me about this 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 whole interest that it seems very American centric in terms of the American government and the cover up. And it, I mean, I suppose two parts of this question that I'll ask you, I mean, if, if American government, the American state is covering this up, how would they benefit? It seems to me that they'd want bragging rights immediately. We found the first uh, piece of evidence of extraterrestrial life. My second point would be, it doesn't necessarily mean that other nations are going to play along. I very much doubt they would. So what? why haven't other nations got similar stories or why wouldn't they out, come out and say, is, is it a case if this has only ever happened to America or is this some sort of global conspiracy to keep it stum? And how would America benefit from not announcing it anyway? It's a lot to go on there. I That's a great it. question. It's a great question. So why would they cover up? Let's cover that first. Well, let's say that 1947 Roswell event, they really did recover a craft in the midst of the Cold War. If they recovered a craft in the midst of the Cold War that is exponentially more advanced than any technologies they have, now they have a military asset. Now they have a piece of equipment that has the potential that if they can back engineer it and duplicate it, they could literally make every one of their adversaries shake in their boots and be unwilling to attack the United States. Kind of like having a nuclear weapon, but no other other country has a nuclear weapon. That is the equivalence we're talking about. These UAP are, are, are reported to be so advanced that if, if any country was able to understand the technology and duplicate it, 
they would have a huge technological advantage over their peers. So, but sure, I mean, surely the the point of that, that so would there's be no, as, there's a, as, real, a de, as a deterrent, wouldn't it? So, I mean, that would necessitate other deter, nations yes, knowing you. No, no, a deterrent, a deterrent after you've understood it and you're able to back engineer it. But the consensus is that they they have not been able to back engineer it because it's just too advanced. So, if you were to recover a craft during the midst of the Cold War, but you have not duplicated the technology. There is no deterrent. The last thing you would want would be adversaries to know that you collected something that has the potential to be duplicated. Because if you're you go out there and you announce, hey, hey, uh, a non-human craft crashed and we're going to try to figure it out. Now you're going to have every spy from every adversary going into that one spot trying to get whatever data they can. No, no. So from even from a very objective, logical standpoint. They would there, there would be zero incentive for the United States government to announce this to the world because now they have to contend with intelligence efforts to gather data. They don't want that. But to your point, yes, if the United States was ever able to back engineer it, then it would make sense to announce it because then it would be uh, a deterrent. But to get to your question and 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 also what from from a from a from a power structure standpoint, what would the U.S. government or any government have to gain by announcing? That there are, there are intelligence in our biosphere that can can go anywhere they want, whenever they want, with impunity. Wouldn't that wouldn't that draw into question the sovereignty of humankind or the sovereignty of a, of a national government when they have to publicly admit that there's something out there that they cannot contend with, they cannot stop, and it's so much further advanced? I don't think there's any psychological incentive for for a government to reveal that that such intelligences exist and there's nothing they can do about it. If, if you look at how governments operate, they want to always give the impression that they're in control of the situation, that they can, that they have a plan to counteract the situation. When you're dealing with allegedly non-human intelligence that can even surveil our, our nuclear capabilities and facilities, or even there are stories of turning off our nukes, turning on our nukes. The last thing you do is announce that to a public. And then what do you, what happens when you announce to the public? They're going to ask endless questions. Governments are not going to have answers. So just from a, a very base psychological standpoint, I don't think any government feels like there's anything in it for them to announce this presence. But getting to your a portion of your question is, okay, so the U.S. government has covered it up. Why, why haven't the U.S. allies who, who probably have data on this too, why haven't they come forward? Why haven't uh, adversaries come forward like China and Russia? Well, maybe one of the reasons our, our allies have not come forward is from pressure of the, from the United States government. The U U.S. government pressures a lot of, pressures a lot of go other governments to do what they want them to do. And the reason I think China and Russia haven't come forward is, I think, from the point that I, 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 I spoke about earlier is that it would change the perspective of it would it would on some psychological level it could be argued it would change the perspective of the governed and the governed the government and the governed because if you know there's something out there that's well beyond your own government and your own capabilities you might lose you might lose some of your influence it could be argued so i think all these kind of reasons are why why this has not come out, why it has not been disclosed, and why there have been efforts to keep it hidden. And another reason, at least within the United States government, is probably a lot of laws have been broken. For example, this David Grush guy, he says that this program has not had proper oversight by the Congress. So just from, from a self-preservation standpoint, those that are involved in these programs 
Some of them may be legally liable for not reporting their existence to oversight committees within the Congress, and they don't want to be legally liable. So, there, so there's a whole bunch of reasons why this would have the momentum not to come out versus the momentum to come out. Yeah, I mean, that, that's, I mean, certainly on the face of it, that that's an explanation for sure. But I mean, doesn't a lot of this kind of credit the government with a, a, a sort of level of competency that they have not earned at all? I mean, you speak about the, the fear of the population knowing that the government isn't in control. That's sort of the ramifications of discovering extraterrestrial life. But on the face of it, they would have to be in control to be able to cover something so monumental up in such a successful way, given all we really have is sort of blurry photos and anecdotal evidence, testimony, things like that. So are we giving the government too much credit here by saying they're able to keep everything stum on this? Um, I don't think so. In fact, I mean, I it's your point is logical. Don't get me wrong. But Chris Mellon said something interesting because when he was in government, he was in charge of like, or he had access to all kinds of special access programs. And he said that during his tenure, I think he said not one of those special access programs ever saw the light of day. They remain completely covert and secret. So if you look at some of the most cherished secrets governments have, often they don't, they don't leak. And also, I think the UFO topic kind of covers itself up because there's, there's the giggle factor. So even if someone comes out of the government and says XYZ is true, we kind of roll our eyes because it's inherently it, it it's perceived by us as inherently outlandish. Now, so the only argument could be, well, how come perfect photographs haven't been leaked or pictures of recovered craft haven't been leaked? Well, I don't I don't know. I guess they keep these 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 programs really, really small, really, really compartmentalized. People don't want to go to jail. So they, they have an incentive not to leak it. Um, but on the other hand, it seems to be leaking right now. It seems to be leaking right now. It's just in a process of verification and we'll see where it goes. Maybe, look, maybe this will all blow up in the face of ufology and it will go nowhere. All of this new congressional legislation, this new whistleblower named David Grush and all his testimony, like, if five years from now this goes nowhere, right, and 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 we're, we're we're where we are now, but five years from now, I will be the first one to say the skeptics have a much better argument than ever before, uh, because if you look at the history of governments, I don't know if any other law being instituted that is demanding answers on this subject, requiring their government to spill the beans. I don't know if that's ever been instituted. So when the, when the environment surrounding this topic changes and all this pressure suddenly emerges, there should be something coming out that's very verifiable, um, like new videos or, or admissions. And so if five years from now, none of that happens, I, I will be the first one to say that the skeptics have a much better argument. And so it's very exciting. Let's see where this goes. For sure, do you know? And it's it's nice to know as well that you you're saying actually, if this doesn't pan out in the next few years, if I'm incorrect here, I will I will sort of concede that the skeptics have a, a stronger case. That kind of hundred percent objectivity is really uh, refreshing to see. And I suppose that leads on to my next question. I mean, why is this topic specifically so interesting to you? Why is it so important to you? Um, I guess because well, you know that. It's been said before that there's two questions 
that humanity has that are that are the most burningly desired questions to be answered. One is, does consciousness survive death? And the second one is said to be, are we alone? So I, I think that we're kind of wired to be curious about this topic. Um, the idea of ha of other intelligences just like us that evolved from somewhere else is just inherently um, fascinating. But I also feel like if we if we learned as a civilization that we are not alone, that we are not at the top of the food chain or the totem pole, if you will, I think it would humble us in a, in a very powerful way. And, and it may help us to become better human beings. Maybe we put, uh, put aside some of our petty differences. Um, maybe it would help us to start being a little bit more uh, better critical thinkers, ironically. Because think about this. Let's just put a scenario out there. Let's say the U.S. government, other governments literally did cover it up and they had forensic data scientifically proving that there is a presence in our biosphere. That would force us to question everything else that we assume is correct. So maybe we would start questioning like some of the policies that our governments have that we take we just take at face value and for granted. Maybe we'd start questioning whether all these wars that are constantly happening on our, on our planet, whether we should allow that to happen as, as citizens of our nations. Maybe it would be like the ultimate cosmic pattern interrupt where we learn something that we assumed could never be, and it sparks us to question things that we, we know about our planet, but maybe we never really thought about deeply enough. So maybe I have this intuition, whether it's correct or not, that if UFO disclosure was ever to happen, it would lead to to an evolution of of how we how we live on this planet. So that's also part of why I find it such a fascinating and and worthwhile topic. Yeah, I mean, it just from an emotional point of view, does there have to be life out there to satisfy you? I mean, let, let's say for instance, tomorrow we had a just a magic wand. Uh, that could give us the answer to the, the big question of are we alone? And the answer comes back, yes, we are. This is it. Just by pure fluke randomness and chaos, would that create some sort of existential crisis for you or would you would you be okay? Would we need to worry no, I, about you? I, I Like because something that I'm pursuing has been solved. Is that is that what you're saying? Or, or not, not just that, but the fact that maybe there might be an emotional need for there to be life out there. Maybe so much. Oh, so so they say there's no life out there. How would I respond? Is that exactly, what you're saying? Yeah. Okay. Um, well, I would uh, I'd move on. Look, uh, we're, we're, <laughs> we're, 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 we're in the midst of the, the NBA playoffs, right? With the, the Denver Nuggets. Um, you could have just made that team name up, and I would be none the wiser. Um, I, I slept really bad. I mean, that sounds so. name. That sounds no, name. It's, up. It's, it's, That's it's, not it's a real team. It's the, it's the, it's the, uh, the, the Denver Nuggets and the Miami Heat. I slept bad last night, but oh, I, 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 I enjoy Tallahassee Goujons. <laughs> I enjoy, I enjoy the NBA. Uh, I enjoy intellectual challenges. So part of my YouTube channel is making videos that are extremely. Um, concise and informative and as objective as I can muster and, and coherent. And I, so I enjoy, so part of my um, involvement with my YouTube channel is because I enjoy the intellectual challenge, even, you know, apart and beyond just being UFOs. And, and I would, I would probably, I think I'll probably make YouTube videos until the day I die. Uh, I, I probably would just maybe, cause I, I enjoy NDEs and, um, 
uh, uh, near-death experience literature. I enjoy philosophy and spirituality and other stuff. And, and, and so I would probably just cover other stuff. And, and I don't think I, I mean, if it was no, I'd probably be, you know, really disappointed for a while, but I don't think it would affect me in some, um, uh, really detrimental way that I wouldn't easily recover from. For sure. Yeah. And there's a lot of interest there that I, I kind of dip in and out. I mean, you mentioned the idea of whether consciousness is something that goes on after our body doesn't is one of the big questions before. And that, that arena of research is quite spooky. We're only just kind of finding out what we don't know, uh, which is interesting and how that relates to the brain. So I suppose a question that should be, you know, mind numbingly easy for you to answer. Uh, do you believe that uh, your consciousness will survive after you die? Are you in that camp yet, or are you still agnostic on the question? I, I do believe it, but I'm also self-aware enough to know that just because I believe it doesn't mean it's true. Uh, but I do believe it. Um, consciousness is one of the great mysteries. It, it is something we just don't really understand. We I don't even think we've scratched the surface of consciousness. Why are we self-aware? And there have been so many stories of people who purport to have left their body. Um, for example, if they're at a hospice or if they're having surgery or there's car accidents and there's a great degree of commonality before, uh, regarding their reports. For example, one of the commonalities is some people feel really disoriented and, and, and shocked when they leave their body. And it's only moments later that they begin to understand what happened. Um, one of the commonalities is going through a dark tunnel. One of the commonalities is seeing a bright light. Um, and there have been there have been studies where people have seen things that they should not have been able to see because of because if they like if they were above the operating table, they saw procedures or objects that they should not have been able to see because presumably they were unconscious. I don't know if there's a way to prove that's correct or not, but we've heard those reports. Uh, so I do think there is some data points that are compelling enough to where you you can be hopeful. You can be objective and hopeful. There's an, there's an afterlife. At least that's my perception. But yeah, I do think there's an afterlife. And I want to say one thing about the afterlife that I really love uh, with the literature. By and large, there really is no hell in the afterlife, at least because we don't really know how deep people go into the afterlife, right? Because they're not going as deep as they can because anyone who comes back and says they've gone into the afterlife, obviously they're maybe getting more of a residual uh, experience. But as far as we know, there's no there's no hell according to the reports. I mean, there have been reports of hell, but there's a it's very rare and there's a debate what that actually means. But by and large, there's no hell. But what there is is something called the life review. And one of the reasons I find the life review so fascinating because if I was to sit down with a pen and paper and ask myself, what would be the most moral and just punishment a soul could have? It would be the life review. It wouldn't be what organized relations promote, which is like hellfire and like indescribable pain and suffering potentially for eternity. It would be you would experience everything other people experience based upon your actions from when you were like a baby until you died. So it would be completely objectively you getting the emotions and the feelings that you caused other people. Now, the reason I find that interesting, because I think it's almost ironic that the, that the reports of people that, that say they've died and come back, that, that, that the, 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 
the idea of punishment is it's the most <laughs> it's literally the most sensical or reasonable from near-death experiencers near-death experiencers versus religious doctrine which i find the, the punishment that is often meted out in the, in those doctrines to be a punishment that doesn't really fit the crime so that's just what i'll say about that that's interesting for sure but i suppose just to throw a spanner in the works there how, how does that map on to our understanding of free will i suppose it depends where you are on free will because there may be people uh who do things on on the face of it that are sociopathic psychopathic create oh, yeah. great misery torture all that kind of horrible stuff but there may be a compelling case to suggest they're not Absolutely. actually in control of it due to perhaps mental illness, brain tumors, brain dysfunction, things like that. And 100%. Then they, they get to the life review section of it, and that would seem unjust in, in, a, in a sense. Well, you, you, I've, re I've written a whole article about this, and anyone on who knows me on Twitter, I talk about free will all the time. Yes, there are personality disorders, like narcissistic um, personality disorders, disorder, or antisocial disorder, which is more commonly referred to as psycho, uh, psychopathy. And so their free will is diminished by definition. <clears throat> if someone is born with, just as an example, if someone is born with uh, narcissistic personality disorder, or I don't think you're born with it, I think it develops. I think it's a combination of nurture, but also genetics. And, they, and so you have to kind of have the predisposition for it. But in certain circumstances or situations, it can be activated based upon nurture. That's my understanding. So there's all kinds of areas that way. So my, my assumption is that you're, you would be judged in accordance with what you were really capable of. Uh, obviously, it's much easier for me to be an upstanding human being because I don't have a narcissistic personality disorder. But if I did, my behaviors would be very different. Uh, on the other hand, I would argue that even sociopaths will be held responsible to some extent because while they may be missing that emotional component of like of of feeling um empathy i still think they probably usually have an intellectual capacity to uh, to to discern right from wrong within so, some degree so my my perspective on that is anyone who thinks free will is black and white <clears throat> they're absolutely wrong i do believe there is free will but it's very complicated and so i would assume that this would be factored in to the life review uh, situation. That that'd be my answer on that. Okay, so and we talk moving back to UFOs. <laughs> so I mean, uh, just to recap, really, the reason that you're fairly optimistic that we will get many more official answers in the in the in the coming years is because of actually the government are act, uh, you know directly acknowledging there are efforts to track and research these things are these these are the kind of things that you really like you know you're really confident in putting your all, all your your chips behind this is why i think there is a degree of falsifiability to this debate a lot of people they love saying well it's not falsifiable well, I, I say you know what i say i'm not going to say it on the air but that's what i say to that it is falsifiable to some extent um because now there is actual legislation that's requiring the intelligence agencies of the United States to report to Congress about what they know about UFOs. And there are members of Congress that are talking about it. And it, 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 let's put it this way. We, we are currently in circumstances right now where there's a tremendous amount of pressure for the U.S. government to level with whatever they truly know or do not know on UFOs. 
I don't think this environment has, has any precedent whatsoever. And so when there's no pressure for the government to come clean on this topic, well, I, in that scenario, I can see why it might be so, I wouldn't call it easy, but it'd be a lot easier to insulate all of this from the populace. But we, now the circumstances have objectively changed and it's not going to be easy. So, you know, I, I there, there's a limitation to what I'm willing to believe. I do not believe the U.S. government can cover this up indefinitely. And I think that with this added pressure and you have NASA looking into it and you have Dr. Avi Loeb of Harvard with Project Galileo looking into it and you have artificial intelligence emerging and uh, technology is constantly getting better. It's constantly getting cheaper. If something doesn't happen in the coming years, then I will be the first one to admit skeptics have a much stronger argument. If something doesn't happen, let's say in the next 20, 30 years, then I think uh, you know people within this ufology topic are just going to have to maybe come to some kind of realization that maybe what they perceived was true was not true. There are limitations to everything, and I'm the first one to admit that. I think if you're going to believe that there's something here where simultaneously technology is getting much, much better and simultaneously the government's being pressured overwhelmingly to come to, to, to be transparent and nothing happens, then you're going to have to kind of recalibrate your perspective on this topic. So is it falsifiable? Not completely, but to a very significant extent it is. And I'll be the first one to, to admit that. And, and I'll be the first one to say, hey, man, skeptics have a much better argument now and I'm not going to pretend they don't when, when and if that day comes. You said something interesting there as well, and uh, I'm probably opening up, opening up a huge can of worms in the in the four minutes we have left here. But artificial intelligence, that's on everyone's mind at the minute. The, the, the implications of what that can be, its potential are, are amazing and also terrifying at the same time. There's a lot of ethical debates going on of how we might handle that. But I'm interested to know how perhaps that could be utilized in, um, in the search for UAPs and, and corroborating that kind of thing. How, how could AI be important? Yeah, I think I think it could definitely be used. Um, for example, with the three videos that were released by the U.S. government, Floor One, Gimbal, and GoFast, um, they could they could put that into some kind of algorithm, um, machine learning, if you will, so that you know so that's that's why it's so important that the U.S. government releases some of the videos they have. Um, sometimes the argument is they can't release it because it will reveal our capabilities. But I, I, I think there, there are certain, I, this is what I think. I think there are a lot of situations where it wouldn't, it would not compromise national security, but they use that line of argumentation as a cover because they don't want to release it. So I think they really need to start releasing these videos. Um, and so that, so that we can, you know, use that data and utilize it for machine learning, utilize it for artificial intelligence and get better at tracking and detecting these objects um, in, in the public sphere. Because I tend to believe, although I could, I'm the first one to say I could completely be wrong and I'm not 100%, but I tend to believe there already are UFO programs that are legacy UFO programs in the government that have been around for decades. It wouldn't surprise me at all if they've learned how to track these anomalous objects. But, you know, it would be nice if, if um, the public domain could start getting better at tracking these objects as well. So we wouldn't have to completely rely on the government, which obviously would be ideal because governments tend not to want to re reveal what they know about, about anything like this that can be uh, put in the same ca category as military capabilities. How important do you think would be, you know, privatized space travel to, to this big question, do you think? Yeah, it's a great question. I mean, 
Yeah, I, it, it depends upon what are the odds that that you will see a UFO in space versus in our atmosphere. And, and maybe the odds are much higher that you would see them in space. So it, it does seem that that could contribute to us getting um, public domain information on this enigma. I, I can see that as a possibility. Sure. Ryan, how often do you make videos on your YouTube channel? Anyway, what can people expect if they go there and, and subscribe? Uh, at least once a week. Sometimes twice a week. It just depends. And um, I just cover UFO news mostly. And I try to keep, I try to remain as objective as I can. Um, sure, I, I express my opinion, but I'm, I'm famous for saying, but I could be wrong because I don't want people to think like, uh, I know, I don't know. Um, I think belief can often be on a spectrum. And I don't like the idea that if you believe something exists, it has to be ironclad 100%. Um, no, you can be very suspicious something exists without knowing 100%. And that's kind of my approach to the topic. I won't believe 100% that there is non-human intelligence engaging our planet until I see the smoking gun evidence myself in, in terms of like 100% belief. But I do lean heavily into that proposition. So yeah, about once a week, twice a week, and I cover UFO news. And uh, so much is happening within UFO news now, whether it be NASA, whether it be the US government. Um, you know, when, you, when you watch my videos, you don't have to watch some crazy uh left field like what is he talking about no man i'm often i'm citing articles i'm citing uh fox news i'm citing cnn i'm citing a uh, newsmax and news station and I'm, I'm citing above board um official sources and that's kind of largely my approach to covering this topic Awesome. Well, Ryan, I mean, regardless of what the truth does turn out to be, I'm, I'm really glad that you're taking an, an objective and putting a healthy dose of skepticism in there for sure. I, I always... mean, I, yeah, I mean, I'm objective to an extent, yeah. but I will, I, will, I will be the first one to say I, I am biased. Uh, a truly neutral person would be like, I'm going to, I'm just kind of going to kind of just see what happens and remain agnostic. And I'll come back a year from now and see what happens. I do give my opinion, but yeah, I do try to be objective within reason. Ryan, it's been lovely speaking to you. Thank you very much for your time and, and all the best. And hopefully uh, you'll be back here in two or three years telling me that uh, I told you so. And you're That'll right. be fun. That'll be fun. We'll do that. Thanks, man. I, I appreciate it. it. Okay. Thank you very much. Appreciate it.